You're listening to From Woke to Work, The Anti-Racist Journey. My name is Kamala Avila-Salmon, and I gotta be real with you. A black square on your Instagram does not make you an anti-racist, but there is a path. Join me as I guide you from becoming aware of racial injustice to actually doing something about it. Whether you're an ally ready to take action or just a Black person looking for someone else to answer all those ally questions, you're in the right place. It's time to go from woke to work. Hey guys, welcome back to From Woke to Work, The Anti-Racist Journey. I'm your host, Kamala Avila-Salmon, and we did it. We made it all the way through our journey from awareness to sympathy through to empathy and reflection, and all the way to allyship and finally anti-racism. Not to mention our detour stops to talk about the importance of relationships in anti-racist work and processing that attempted coup at the Capitol. That literally feels like a lifetime ago instead of just a few months ago. And I think it just has to be said that this post-Trump life just feels different. Less stifling, shall we say? Breathing seems easier now? Maybe just me. Anyway, I have to say that the last episode was bittersweet for me because I've so enjoyed every single one of the conversations we've shared this season. Ending with the candor and practicality of J. Love Calderon and Glenn Singleton last week, breaking down what a commitment to anti-racism looks like when it's a lifestyle, not just a Facebook post or an IG photo from a Black Lives Matter protest felt really, really good. But I don't know about you, as perfect as that last episode was, I couldn't help but feel a sense of, wait, that's it? We're done? I felt like we were just getting started, in a way, or like it all went by in a blur. There is so much more I still want to talk about, so much more to share, so much more I still want to learn and explore and dig into with incredible guests. I have been having intentional and interesting conversations about race for almost as long as I can remember. And in the last 10 years in particular, I've been doing it in a very public way. This means that a lot of people in my life reach out to me when they're trying to process how to show up more fully or more effectively to advance racial equity and justice, or when they just want a Black point of view. It's okay. Now, it's a lot of pressure, honestly, and I would be lying if I said I didn't love it. Not because I think I have all the answers, not by a long shot, but just because I love the quest. I feel drawn to people who are truly seeking to do things differently who dare to be as optimistic as I am on my best days when I really hope that things might actually be different for my son, Langston. When I'm really able to hope that racism won't be an albatross around his neck, something that weighs him down forever. Because my hope for the future really rests in more and more non-Black people and especially white people deciding that figuring out how to talk about race and how to actually see and address racism is worth it to them and decide to do the work. At the end of the very best versions of these conversations, I always have a nagging thought. Now what? Did I say enough? Did I do enough? Will this person really continue in the journey even after our conversation is over? It weighs on me, if I'm honest. So this episode is that. This is about what to do next, because I can't rest feeling like maybe you're not sure. So here we go. When I think about what comes next, I think of a few things. First, if you haven't already done this, I want you to take a moment right now and identify where you think you are in your journey. 
Seriously, hit pause if you need to and place yourself somewhere in this journey. Are you still only just aware? Were you at sympathy or even empathy last fall? But if you're honest, you haven't done any reflecting yet and you haven't come back to those feelings in a while. Can you point to maybe isolated incidences of allyship, but it's not something you're engaged in regularly? Does anti-racism still sound like an ideal to you, but not something that's really attainable? Wherever you are right now is okay. Knowing where you are is what matters. Because if you know where you are, you can make a plan for how to get to where you want to be. You can make a plan for where to go next. Second, once you've placed yourself in the journey, I want you to write down one thing that you can do that would help you start on the next step in the journey. Here are some examples, though the next step for you might be different than this. If you feel stuck at awareness, I want you to Google some articles or videos about the experiences of the parents of Trayvon Martin or Sandra Bland or Breonna Taylor. I want you to actually find their words somewhere, listen to them, hear their words, and really try to feel them. That should help you start to trigger some sympathy. If you feel stuck at empathy, kickstart your reflection journey by thinking about the racial makeup of your workplace and why it looks like that. I don't mean just notice what it is and think, well, it is what it is, but really push yourself to consider why you think it is the way it is. If you are a white person working in a predominantly white workplace, what are the stories that you believe about why that is true? What are the stories that you have heard that feel true to you? How do you know that they are true? Have any of these stories been shared with you by a person of color? Or are all the explanations you've heard for why it's so hard to move the needle on diversity in the workplace been shared with you by a white person? And if so, are those the most credible sources you can imagine? Is it possible that you may have missed something? Is it possible that there may be a variable missing from that frame? How could you get a more complete picture? Really reflect on that. If you feel like you pop in and out of allyship, what do you need to make it more regular? Do you need a circle of friends that will actually keep that top of mind for you? And speaking of relationships, did you discover that it's all white or just that there are no black people in your life that you feel you could have had intimate conversations about race with over the last year? Why do you think that is? And what will it take to shift that? Third, I want you to go back and start this season from the beginning, but invite a friend or two or three to do it with you. And I promise this is not a naked marketing tactic just to get repeat business for myself. I am suggesting this because there's no way you can really go through a journey like this in three months. And also because you need company. You need people in your life that you already have relationships with, who you already trust to talk to you about how these conversations are hitting you. You need people to work through your questions with. You need people to unpack it with. And you need people who are striving like you are on purpose to do all of this better and to hold you accountable. Especially if you are a white person, it is important that you are not trying to learn about race in secret. Out yourself as someone doing the work and find people to do it with. Fourth, I want you to audit your media sources. What are you reading, watching, buying for your kids, consuming, etc.? Really be critical about the diversity or lack thereof of those sources and be intentional about making sure that there are black voices and black perspectives throughout. This may require some research for you. If you're a podcast lover, what other podcasts can you listen to that will continue to keep race top of mind for you? I know Code Switch is one for me, but there are tons of others. 
the nod, the read, so much more. If you love binging TV shows, what shows can you add to the mix that will include Black faces if they aren't already part of your favorite shows? And then, of course, you can reflect on why that might be. You can go to places like Shadow and Act or The Grio or Essence or Ebony all online and find out what the top Black-created or Black-produced media, whether it's shows, movies, podcasts, books, etc., are, and be intentional about keeping up there. You can't just pop into and out of caring about Black lives when a Black unarmed person has been shot. It needs to be a regular feature of your life. And if that feels weird to you, I want you to acknowledge that and do it anyway. Remembering that your Black coworkers, friends, associates, etc., all have to keep up with all things white just to manage and have to accept a media diet that is predominantly white and generally doesn't include them. You can do the same. I want you to be so vigilant and so intentional about noticing all white spaces. I want you to really look at the world through what I'm calling race-colored glasses. It is so important to not just be aware of the fact that racism exists somewhere out there, but to really try to see where it exists in here, in the life that you lead, in the rooms that you inhabit, in the meetings that you're in. Think constantly and critically about who is in the room and who is not in the room and start to vocalize that. Start to really think about why that is and articulate out loud that you're noticing it and that it is something that you want to change. I want you to think again out loud about why you're noticing that why you think it's the case, and what would need to change. Finally, I want to urge you to discard, if you will, what I call the presumption of white neutrality. I think we have, and this is everyone in the country, because we all grow up in a stifling environment that reinforces white supremacy. We tend to think of whiteness as neutrality or as objectivity. When we go to a Black person, we expect them to give us the Black point of view. If we go to an Asian person, we might be going to them to ask them to give us an Asian point of view. What I want us to understand is when we go to a white person, they are not giving us an objective point of view. They are giving us a white-framed point of view via the lens through which they inhabit and exist in the world. We need to really push against this idea of whiteness as neutrality. And we really need to embrace the frame that we all have perspectives. Those perspectives are necessarily informed by our life experiences. And we should expect that the lens through which we see the world is different, not better, not worse, not more neutral than anyone else's. I think when we do that, we will become so committed to having as many frames as possible in all the spaces of our lives, in all the circles that we inhabit so that we will be able to see more fully and more completely. All right, that's it. That's the show. I want to thank you all so much for being on this journey with me. Now, we will be back with one last episode next week, tackling FAQs, also known as frequent ally questions, with some of our favorite guests from the prior episodes, so be sure to tune in. And if you have a question for us, send it to me at therealkas one on Instagram or Twitter, and we'll be sure to incorporate it. Once again, my name is Kamala Avila-Salmon, and this has been From Woke to Work. See you soon.
Thanks for joining us and for making it this far. As always, I'm Kamala Avila Salmon, and you can follow me on social media at The Real KS1. Subscribe now wherever you listen to podcasts, and don't forget to rate us to help more people find the show. From Woke to Work was produced by me, Kamala Avila Salmon, in partnership with Julian Lewis and TJ Bonaventura at Studio Pod. Edits were made by Noda Lab. Our amazing artwork was designed by Tommy Gomez. And this fire track I'm speaking on was produced by Dave Contrap. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>